in Houston. I'm John Herter. Tuesday, seventh day of June. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief moderated interactive show format, like a TED Talk with interactive discussion. So what's in it for you? The FTE promise, if all goes well, your curiosity spark, new ideas, accelerate action, and you may have helped yourself, somebody else solve a problem, make that connection, reaching the opportunity faster. Because we know making authentic connections and expanding your networks has never been more important for your business. Thank you to our underwriters for helping transform the From the Experts vision into action. Unique Ventures, IntraPoint, Ecosystems 2030, the Canon community. Each expert's in their own fields. Connect with them and learn more at FTE.network. You'll be glad that you did. Welcome to FTE annual member, Paul Torson, ship broker and consultant with Bravo Group USA. Paul, great to have you on board today. Folks, help me welcome guest expert, Matt Negar. Matt is chartered market technician and has been an independent trader since February, 2022. The prior 27 years, Matt was proprietary trader for two market-making equity and index trading groups. He and his wife, also an independent trader, live in the Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago. Hey, Matt. Particularly interesting moment that we are in with the rise and volatility of cryptocurrency industry. Really grateful that you could make time to share a trader's experience and some lessons learned with the group today. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for having me on today. And thank you all for taking a few minutes out of your day to uh, talk about this subject. Um, I'm going to go through, uh, start on pretty on a uh, pretty basic note and, and ramp up from there just to make sure everyone in the audience has an idea of that we're kind of all on the same baseline. Uh, if you have any questions throughout, please put them on the chat or raise your hand. Uh, if there's anything I can explain a little bit better or give another example, happy to do so. Um, just to, just to start as kind of a disclosure, this is just for educational purposes that we're talking and this is not advice um, or a recommendation. So please, if you're if you're considering investing in the cryptocurrency space, talk to your financial advisor um, before you make an investment. Um, for those of you who have not uh, started in cryptocurrency, there, there are a lot of resources. There are uh, many exchanges. In fact, some of your uh, regular brokerage firms have cryptocurrency arms. Um, to make it very easily uh, easy for you to get into the space. I know Robinhood has cryptocurrency arm, uh, TradeStation, things like that. Um, but there are also many well-known exchanges um, that are readily available online, um, Coinbase, uh, FTX, um, Binance US, to name a few. Um, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies in fractional amounts. You don't have to buy $30,000 of Bitcoin. You can buy $50 of Bitcoin or $100 of Bitcoin. Um, to get into the space. And uh, you can set up reoccurring payments so that you can um, average cost in over a period of time as well. And say, if I'm gonna allocate um, this, this number of financial resources monthly and disperse it over these assets, you can do that as well. So it might be something to talk to your financial advisor about. Um, and so once you do make a purchase, um, you can keep the, the asset, the coin on that exchange in a, in a personal wallet. Um, just much like your brokerage account, and um, you can sell it from there or move it to a um, an off or a uh, internet-based um, uh, wallet like a MetaMask or something like that. So it'll be off the exchange, or you can move it into a hard wallet, um, cold wallet like uh, 
um, like Ledger X, which is kind of like a thumb drive where the uh, asset can be uh, stored uh, for extra security. And uh, on those two, last two, please be careful with your uh, passwords that you um, keep them in a secure place because once you lose them, um, there's famous stories of people having vast fortunes of cryptocurrency uh, locked away, never to see uh, the light of day again. So be very, very careful with that. Um, I thought we'd start off talking a little bit about, and I'm, I'm going to use some general categories to kind of define who you are as a cryptocurrency investor or a trader. Or, um, so one of, one of these is called a, a hodler. So basically hold on for dear life. There's someone who um, says, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. I don't care if it goes to zero. I don't care if it goes to a million. I believe in the technology. I believe in, in what, they're, what they're going to be trying to do. And um, I'm going to hold on to it through all market conditions. Um, and then another, another person, maybe a gambler, someone who buys some of these Mimi uh, coins, uh, Dogecoin and, and SHIB and some of these that you may have read around the, in the Financial Times or the financial newspapers that make these tremendous uh, moves day in, day out and um, um, incredible crashes. Um, it's kind of beyond what I do, but um, it, some people are excited to be in that kind of space. Then you have, you have a researcher. Um, someone who does a lot of independent investigation and research, reads white papers, um, looks up uh, on a member of uh, podcasts and, and various uh, newsletters to get the real ins and outs behind um, what's going on in the technology and um, hopefully become an early adopter um, into some of these uh, coins that go on to make tremendous moves. It takes a lot of time and, and diligence and, um, and research, but if that's something you're drawn to, um, you, can, you can do very well with it. A couple of uh, newsletters that I use, which I enjoy, are uh, Milk Road and uh, uh, one called uh, Not Boring. And um, they cover a lot of really interesting um, subjects on blockchain and, and, uh, and some of the cryptocurrency investments. So those are a couple just to take a look at. And I'm going to concentrate more today on another role, which, which um, I consider myself in the space as a trader um, for someone who, you, who owns um, coins in um, favorable uptrending markets only. Um, now, in a caveat with these four descriptions, I would say that I, I, follow, I fall into a couple of them. So I, I don't think you can be exclusively in any of those. Um, I'm definitely a, a holdler in, in a few coins of which I feel that are, I'm just not good enough to time the top or bottom. I want to be involved long-term, um, so that's fine. Um, but in most other cases, I'm, I'm a trader. There are times where I'm, I'm more of a gambler than I should be. And as long as you re realize that about yourself and allocate um, a small portion of your cryptocurrency uh, um, assets towards that, knowing that you, know, you could lose it all or, or that's how it's going to be, um, then that's, that's probably okay too. Um, so why don't we pull up the, uh, the first slide, um, Gus. Hey, uh, hey Matt, yeah. just, uh, you want to take a look at, uh, where the group is. We've uh, sure. just posted a poll and it uh, looks like about half own, uh, cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. uh, about half have heard what's happened with Luna. Uh, biggest concerns when uh, uh, about cryptocurrency, about 22%, uh, it's just getting started. 
about 11%. It's just too darn hard to understand without an expert. Too volatile, about 20, another 22%. 11% think this might be a scam. And well, we'll have to wait for the group discussion for about a third of the folks because they've got other ideas. Okay. But half the folks believe, yeah, it is important to actually own cryptocurrency in their portfolio. So that's an update <clears throat> from the first poll. Right, and taking a quick step back on that, um, I think when you when you talk to your financial advisor about how much of your uh, financial assets you'd allocate towards cryptocurrency, you probably get a pretty wide uh, range of, of suggestions. I would I would guess a lot of uh, financial experts would say that you would consider it kind of like um, exposure in, in gold or precious metals or commodity space that allows you some diversification um, and um, I know personally for me, um, my range depends on what kind of market we're in. Um, you know, for a, in a good uptrending market, I'm much heavier into cryptocurrencies, a larger percentage of my portfolio. In the current environment, it's a very small percentage, probably as small as it's been in years. And so I think that kind of changes just as it does in, uh, in any of your equity investments in the, in the financial markets as well. Um, it's, it's kind of a function of the current environment. And I think that's, that's one of the main uh, takeaways hopefully you'll get from me today is uh, using you know a couple tools for you to um, get a sense of what kind of uh, market we're in and what would have to change for me to say, boy, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about things. I wanna, I wanna start allocating more money into it. And so um, hopefully um, you all will get, get some information and a couple tools, uh, simple use tools for that. And uh, if you have any questions about that, we can, uh, we can talk about it more. But uh, let's look at the first slide. Um, so these are these are three assets. Um, the top or on the on the far left is Bitcoin. So that's a Bitcoin chart. It's a daily chart going back to um, you know early part of this year in 2022. The next chart is Tesla, and I think uh, you know most of us can look at this chart and say, boy, these these two are kind of moving um, pretty closely together, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, and then the third over to the right is uh, the triple Q, the, the NASDAQ um, ETF. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about as far as volatility goes, there are a couple of ways to measure volatility or two ways that I use. One of them is a, it was called historic volatility and that is the second graph below each of the main uh, price charts. Um, and so it's labeled HV. So you can see under Bitcoin, uh, basically um, historic volatility is a um, statistical measurement of uh, price distribution or return distribution around a mean over a, a defined period of time. Um, so our historic volatility, and, and a lot of people use historic volatility in asset pricing. So as a, as a comparison to implied volatility in options, which I, I tend to trade quite a bit so that you can, you can say, um, my options are priced at 90 volatility and the actual movement of the asset is 70 volatility. Um, they might be a little expensive or they might be a little cheap relative to what the, path, the most recent price activity is. Um, but for our purposes, I wanted to show, um, you know, kind of demystify or demythify a couple of things about cryptocurrency. You can see with Bitcoin and Tesla, their historic volatility is very, very similar. In fact, um, you know, in the last six months or so, uh, Tesla and Bitcoin have, have been have moved 
in a very similar um, distribution around their, around their mean. So they're, they're equally volatile. Um, whereas if you look over to Triple Q, the NASDAQ, it's about 50% as volatile. And so what some, what some investment managers may do, or they may recommend to you or something you consider on your own, is that you can adjust your, um, your volatility exposure by taking uh, a volatility weighted um, um, percentage of that asset. Say if your base, your base investment is, is triple Q or the NASDAQ, um, I would only allocate 50% or less into Tesla or, or Bitcoin because they're, they're um, twice as volatile um, if you wanted to normalize your uh, range of returns. But going back to the volatility portion of it is that um, I think there's a stigma of, of cryptocurrency being incredibly volatile and which it is, but some of the most widely followed uh, financial assets are also as volatile, if not as you know more volatile. And so I just wanted to uh, put that out there as, as a way for you to uh, kind of measure how volatile an, an asset is. The bottom um, ticker is a what's called an average true range. And what that is is the over a, a time period and the, and the standard is 14 days. Over the last 14 days, the um, the low, to the high range in Bitcoin, as you can see on the chart, is around $1,600. So every day for the last 14 days on average, the range from the low to the high is about $1,600. And that is about 5.5% of the current um, underlying price. And so you can take some of these and normalize them based on the underlying price. If you look at Tesla, um, for the last 14 days, it, it moves an average of $40 from its low to high on a daily basis over the last, I say over the last 14 days. As a percentage of the underlying asset, it's also 5.5%. So not only on a historic volatility basis, but on a average um, price range basis, Bitcoin and Tesla are moving uh, very in a very similar way. Um, and then if you look at triple Q on the furthest right, that that's down to um, just about uh, ten percent, or at ten points on a daily basis, and that's about three percent. So as we as we saw with uh, historic volatility, um, it's around fifty percent of the um, of the other two assets. And so these these um, these tools are available on on many charting platforms, um, just to give you an idea of how volatile. Um, that the underlying assets are, are reacting. Um, you may say, boy, I, this is moving too much to me. I'm gonna wait for a lower volatility environment, which usually happens when um, assets are um, slowly increasing in price. Um, a higher price tends to be a more stable environment in, in a lot of investors' eyes and volatility may be decreasing. That's, that's when I'm more comfortable being involved in the market. And so anyway, this is just a, a tool for you to use to um, know the volatility of the assets you're, um, you're investing in and um, to identify higher or lower um, uh, environments to, um, to uh, enter the market. Now, from this chart, one other thing you can do is say, a way to further reduce volatility is to reduce your exposure in the marketplace in general. So, as a trader, if I'm gonna be involved in cryptocurrency, let's say in Bitcoin, only 
when the, the environment is favorable for me to do so. If I feel that there's a uh, defined trend, uptrend, um, stabilized pricing, I have a, I have a defined um, exit point where I think the trend is over. I think that I'm, I'm taking my time out of the market that I'm involved in that also can reduce your volatility. You're not gonna be involved. Um, you may uh, miss some of the big shocks, the big price shocks up and down, um, but uh, that's just one way as a trader, you can reduce your volatility as well. Um, can we uh, move to the uh, next slide? Thank you. So I'm, I'm gonna give you um, a quick uh, crash course and some uh, technical analysis ideas and tools. A lot of these are available on um, the charting platforms. One of them I, I use is called uh, TradingView, and it's a pretty reasonably priced uh, platform. Most of the cryptocurrency exchanges have free charting with them, and you can add some of these overlaid tools on it. Um, so here is a here's a daily chart again of Bitcoin. Um, I've added a few overlaid um, tools on this chart. The, um, the bright yellow uh, trend line uh, is a, is a um, exponential moving average. It's a 21 period exponential moving average. The lighter um, blue um, line above that is, uh, is a nine, or excuse me, eight period exponential moving average, short, so a shorter time period. And generally what I try to do is I, I want to be in Bitcoin when the shorter moving average is trending higher above a longer um, period moving average. And so, um, so in, in very simple terms, the nine, nine period uh, exponential moving average is the, um, the weighted price over the last uh, nine periods. Exponential adds more weight to the most recent time period. So it's a little, it moves a little faster. Um, but you'll see that at the first circle there on the left, the, uh, the yellow, you can see that there's a crossover. The, the blue uh, moving average, the shorter cross moving average crossed back above the, the longer yellow moving average. Um, the trend line is, is pretty um, easy to visually recognize that it's trending higher. Um, and it's, uh, it's moved higher until the next yellow circle there where it crossed back below um, the moving average and uh, the shorter moving average crossed below the longer moving average. So at that point, my, my premise for an uptrend based on moving average is over. That, that, that uptrend is over and I would, I would exit my position in, in Bitcoin. One other, one other thing you can see is the characteristic of this movement from these, uh, between these two yellow circles is that you have a series of, of um, what we call a higher high and higher low. So um, we had the rally from the, the, from the yellow circle there up to the top um, of the blue band. Um, then it retraced back to the uh, yellow moving average again. So it made a low, but it was a higher low than before um, we entered into, the, into that crossover. It rallied back up again, had a pullback. So it made a new high had a pullback to the moving average, which was higher than the previous low. So we're, you're, having a, um, you're having a series of higher highs and higher lows, which is also a way to define an uptrend. 
And then finally, when you do have the moving average, you have the moving average cross at the uh, yellow circle, um, Bitcoin does break down below the prior low. And so the higher high, higher low trend is also over and the moving average cross happens. And so that's a time where they say, okay, um, this, this trend is over. I'm going to wait for a new uptrend to begin. And Amen. Then, yep. We, uh, uh, as you're kind of putting together your last comments, I uh, thought I'd throw in a couple of questions uh, mm -hmm. that we've had here. Uh, Dr. Danino says, has anybody modeled fluctuations in crypto? And if so, what are the principal determinants? Any take on that? I don't have a take on that. Um, I'm sure there are studies for um, historic volatility dispersion. Um, and if they correlate, um, I know some of the larger um, cryptocurrencies tend to move together. And um, so that correlation, there, there are studies for it. I, I don't, it's beyond my... Uh, my purview, okay. but I'm sure you are ready to do Okay, super. And then um, uh, Paul had asked about, uh, hey, the transaction costs seem pretty darn high, at least in Coinbase. Will these be coming down anytime soon? What's your feeling on that? Yeah, as, as there's more and more competition, obviously the, the prices will come down. I agree in some cases they are pretty high and it pays the shop around because it varies, varies by exchange. Um, and I, I'm not sure off the top of my head, uh, where, um, some of the brokerage firms, I know, um, uh, for example, Robinhood has a zero fees for, uh, equity trading. Um, if they're also very competitive on cryptocurrency fees, um, but there, there is a range and, um, it definitely, if you're an active trader, it's worth, um, checking out to, uh, to find the best deal. And if you become a, as you, as you are more active, um, a lot of these fees um, automatically come down within the exchange. They measure your, your activity and uh, reduce your um, commissions accordingly. Got it. Any uh, last thoughts back to your talk and that you'd like to share with the group? I'm sorry, what was that, Jeff? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I finished with those questions that came up. Go ahead and if you could kindly share your last few thoughts oh, uh, sure. in your um, so that, and you can see in the, in the, in the green, um, um, circle there, it's a very similar idea as we were just talking about, um, higher highs, higher lows, moving average crossover. And then once you get to the, the second, uh, the green line, you can see we're in a protracted downtrend. Um, there was never a time where the moving averages crossed back over. Um, we make consistent lower, lower lows and lower highs. And um, we get down to um, in not too far from where we're currently trading. Um, before we jumped on, someone was talking about we were talking a little bit about um, you know the current state of the of the cryptocurrency market. And I, I tend to use Bitcoin as a good uh, uh, bellwether for that. You can see um, since basically February, um, February to uh, beginning of May, it was in in a pretty uh, sideways range um, as defined by those uh, support and resistance lines I drew in. We made a, a, an attempt to break out in early April and then it uh, fell back into a, in a pretty easy to find uh, channel there with the two yellow um, parallel lines, uh, downtrend line. 
And then in early May, it really fell off. And that, that uh, cor correlates with the uh, um, demise of uh, the Luna stablecoin, where um, um, people were very concerned about what was going on to, in the uh, cryptocurrency space. And uh, Bitcoin fell very quickly down to about 25,500. Um, we've bounced off of there and have actually been in a really tight range um, with some pretty big swings, daily swings. I know the last couple of days we've had 5% overnight swings up and down. Um, but as, as you would note that we are, we have made a very shallow um, higher, high, higher, low progression so far um, from the low 25,500. Um, and the moving averages you can see are, are um, kind of converging. And so that, that tends to happen when you get into a sideways, sideways range like this. I think what we'll want to see is um, a new high taking uh, in, in cryptocurrency, or I'm sorry, Bitcoin, um, going back over uh, roughly 33,000, which is near the, uh, the recent high and stabilized trade above there. Once that happens, then um, I think Bitcoin may be um, you know, comfortably back into that 33,000 to $45,000 range. And, um, and then we'll look for further um, you know, stabilization improvement in the, uh, in the price action that with a series of higher highs, higher lows, um, crossover in the moving averages into, a, um, into an uptrend. Um, and then one, I wish I would have uh, continued to draw this uh, trend line. Um, this, uh, this yellow channel that's heading down from that uh, poke out over uh, 46,000. If you extend that trend line, that probably comes pretty close to 33,000 as well. So I think that will be a good test. Um, not only getting back into the range, but above um, the pretty steep downtrend we had from, uh, from early April. And so that if we're using uh, Bitcoin as kind of the bellwether of how things are going in the cryptocurrency space, I think um, the things I'm going to be looking for is an improvement in the, uh, in the technical analysis or the technical parts of it, in a series of higher highs and higher lows, I'm looking for trade back over 33,000. I'm looking for moving averages to cross back positive. And um, ideally, um, you know, we get a rally up to the top of the uh, resistance up to 46,000. And I think that will be the big test of, um, you know, how strong any, any kind of rally is. So well, let's um, jump over to the last slide and I'll... Um... We got about one to two minutes. Okay, I'll, I'll go quickly here. Um, so this is, a, uh, this is a chart of Luna, the stablecoin Luna. Um, the reason I bring this up is, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people that lost a lot of money in this as a quote unquote stable coin. Um, and honestly, I, I was trading this asset and didn't even know it was a stable coin. I just knew the price was, uh, you know, had some nice uptrends. And so I was going with that. Um, it did reverse very quickly in early April, back below the prior high of around 103. And the moving averages crossed. So if you were an active person in this asset and say, oh boy, you know, um, this, this uptrend is over, I'm, I'm getting out and going on the sideline. Well, if you didn't follow that advice, you, you probably would have paid attention to the support around 78, which was the prior high in December of 2021. It tested it in mid-April and then fell to it again and through it in early May. 
that would have been a good time to get out as well. Um, and it's clearly in a downtrend with the, uh, with the moving averages severely lower. So, well, okay, I didn't follow that. Let's go with um, the trend line from the, the low um, from mid-October, which is around 56,000. Okay, well, that would have been another time to go. Okay, how about the low um, from early February? And honestly, that's when I got out. So I wrote it, I wrote it down all the way from 100 to 43. And I said, you know, if it goes through this low here, I'm out. I've, I've given up. It's there's no chance. And so I got out um, that evening at the, at 41,000 or something to that effect. And within two days, it was close to zero. Um, and so pretty much anything can happen. And um, one of the things that John had passed along to you is that there are 33,000 uh, crypto coins in the space. And uh, we're going into a, a very difficult time period and most of them will not make it. And so you, you have to have kind of a plan for when um, you think the trend is over or when you don't want to be involved anymore and have a plan to stick to it. And uh, you can, even though you are uh, you take some losses, it's not a um, cataclysmic loss like uh, a lot of people experienced in, in Luna, so. Basically what you're saying is Bitcoin is still the gold standard here? Yeah, it's still the largest market cap for sure. It's the most widely uh, owned, um, most institutionally owned. Um, so I think that space is kind of defined by Bitcoin. Um, but if you, if you move on to the other top 10, um, I think it's good just to go through the list and do just pull up some charts once a week or once a month and kind of get a sense on where the space is. And then, uh, then you know, we have a better idea of where you are um, yeah, as far as making investment. Sounds great. Well, Max, shall we go ahead and open the floor and sure. get feedback from the group? Uh, folks, feel free to ask your questions, continuing that in the chat or, you know, voice them now. Uh, the, the group discussion question we put out there to kind of get us all started is, uh, well, what is your take based on what you know and what you just heard on the cryptocurrency market and what would have to change for you to invest again? Mm -hmm. So anybody, you're, uh, please feel free to speak up. I'd love to hear from, we've got half people that are already invested and then of course half are not, but probably have lots of questions. Uh, yeah. Liz, do you, would you, I, or who is? I can open up with a question. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, when you look at the charts, when you step back, when I look at Bitcoin, there looks like there's a shelf and there's, it's a long way down to the next support level. The only thing that kind of, uh, for me, fights that is some of the, uh, some of the basics of the Bitcoin mining, which I understood was for a while there, they said it was costing about $40,000 per Bitcoin to mine. And is that... Bitcoin price is that coming off or is it going up? I, I know the, it's 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 designed to go up, but of course efficiency gains can fight that uh, increase in cost. And and I know they're trying to reduce the energy cost anyway. So I don't know what your take is on, on that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not something I, I really follow too much, but um, as as price comes down and and the uh, difference between mining and the realized price uh, becomes more attractive, you're going to get more people in the space. I can't speak, uh, you know, intelligently about, um, you know, that that difference. Um, I know that's been a real knock on the space as far as uh, um, it's not a very green technology uh, as far as mining. And um, you know, someone who does develop a way to do that more efficiently is probably going to get an edge. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's all there. There's so many ways to look at these spaces, and as you become an expert or get more knowledgeable, obviously you get an edge. So uh, yeah, I, I continue to monitor that. And maybe I can provide some insight on this because I am a Bitcoin miner. Um, oh, yeah. I have a company in Texas, and we we host my my Bitcoin miners. Um, and there's a lot of things that go into the price of Bitcoin mining going up and down. One of them is the difficulty, which has been going up. The other is the cost of the equipment. And it, I don't know if anybody knows this, but it's basically one company in the world that creates Bitcoin miners and they control everything. They have the monopoly on it. So they decide when new equipment comes out. I mean, there's a lot of things. Um, I can go on and on about this topic. And I know this is not the topic of the call, but if anybody is interested in learning more about mining, I can definitely um, hop on a call. Um, but I, I don't, and to answer your question, I don't think mining has anything to do with the price of, um, maybe a little, but it doesn't have much to do with the, with the price of, of Bitcoin. Um, and I don't know if that, if that answers your question at all. Absolutely. That's interesting to hear, you know, that perspective about that. Because I, I, I always I think of it kind of like the price of oil versus drilling. When price of oil drops, people stop drilling. And when it's up, they start drilling. So I was kind of thinking it had a similar effect. So eventually, if, if it dropped, drilling, uh, mining would re be reduced and would naturally escalate and come back up. But, but no, no, no. The only well, thing that controls the, the, it's the protocol and the code itself. That controls the the difficulty of of Bitcoin um, mining. Uh, yeah. Sounds like you two need to connect after the show. Absolutely. So, Thank you. Yeah. Happy to. <laughs> so um, Sergey also brings up in his comments. He says, "As crypto exchanges in the USA don't allow short selling, what would be the best instrument for shorting crypto?" Agree. Great question. Um, it's a good point you you bring up. Um, there, I think it's on a state by state basis where you. Um, I know there are people in the U.S. that um, have exchanges that allow it. Um, you can do some searches to find that out. Whether um, you know, for me personally, I'm not interested in it unless it's uh, widely accepted and uh, government approved. Um, because it's just not a fight that I'm interested in in, in getting the call from the IRS or the SEC. Um, but um, yeah, I think that's a. The, I guess one way you can do it is is to trade um, the bitcoins on uh, the, the CME. You can you can trade the futures um, electronically as a short, and they have e mini um, and micro um, bitcoin and Ethereum futures. And so for a, for a smaller contract size, you can you can take a short position and um, at least hedge your your current long position that you have in actual coin um, so that that could be something to consider um and i can also add um gate.io is a great platform too and that, i think that would be a good place to start um it's really good for, it, it does everything literally everything um mm -hmm. yeah I, i'm not sure how it works in the states i'm i'm in israel so um I, i'm not i'm not entirely sure which states allow it but it's Good place to start. Thanks, Liz. We'll add that to the post show notes. Anybody else want to share their take on the crypto market as they see it and what would need to change to invest again? 
Denise, what's your take on this? Or Anshul, I know it's really late in India, but uh, I know you're you're working in this space. If you've got any comments, or anybody. Yeah, well, I am. Um, I'm an ex Wall Street professional, Matt. I've worked at Goldman and Morgan Stanley for about 28 years, so familiar with a lot of the terms. Also ran a risk management business at Goldman, so familiar with the risk management side of things. I actually called the bottom of Bitcoin at 3,000. And I told my husband, we got to invest now. And of course, we didn't have any cash to invest. So he didn't. So I can still kick him for that. I'm kicking him, notice how I said that. <laughs> but um, I'm very interested in it. I think, I don't think it's going away. I think that it, there's lots of opportunity. I mean, I am interested in Sergey's question about, about shorting and about hedging instruments. Um, as soon as I have some cash, I will be investing. And I'm just not sure if I'm gonna invest in a basket or, I mean, I guess my question for you is, are they all, do you see them all as correlated or do you see any that are sort of uncorrelated and could be used as a modified hedge? Um, that's a good question. I think a lot of them are very correlated. We're, we're kind of in a period now where you see uh, a term that's thrown out a lot is called a, a crypto winter or an altcoin winter. Um, and the concern is that you have this big drawdown and not only do we ask the, the prices not rebound, but you have diminishing investment into the space and, and, and diminished uh, technology advance in the space. And so if you can monitor, um, and in one of the post-show notes, there's a couple of websites for people that are kind of fundamentally inclined that like to look at um, the you know, actual price uh, uh, revenue and things like that. There are a couple of websites that show the, uh, the revenue of the coins as far as, um, um, and so you can you can kind of build your own PE ratio um, for the various coins based on price and, and the revenue, and then you can monitor that over time. And so there are some coins that are generating revenue and say, well, they probably have a better chance of, of riding this out. And um, that would be the place to start if you're if that's your interest. Um, so that's, there are some yeah. like that. That's very interesting. The other little angle here is that we run a technology platform for online communities, that's our business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our clients really want, and we have a coin technology, an activity coin technology built into the platform. It's just loyalty coins right now, but for tracking activity. But um, a lot of our clients want us to apply a token to it. So we're looking at a few options for creating sort of public blockchain as a service style tokens. And so this is all interesting for me too, because it's like, how do you keep a token alive it, you know, that is, there's been a lot of failed experiments yes. for community tokens. So, interesting. Uh, Denise, um, sorry, I so I run, um, I don't run, but I'm part of a community, a DAO here in, in Israel. Yeah. And what we do is we connect people. You come to us with something that you need in the space and we'll help you find whoever you need. So, we can oh, find okay. you an expert in tokenomics that can help you build um, what, whatever you want to build for your platform. Okay, should I connect with you on LinkedIn, Liz? Or yes. Okay. That sounds great. And by the way, that's yeah. the last one in the group. But we'll everybody will receive everybody's contact info here in the post show notes. So, thank you very much, Denise and Liz. And so, Matt, any you know last words, last takeaway before we close this down? Um, yeah, I just I think there are a lot of resources out there, um, and they'll be in the post notes. Um, if you're if you want to learn more about technical analysis, some of the things that I brought up, there's some really good resources. 
Um, the CMP Association has all kinds of uh, stockcharts.com has all kinds of videos and, and things like that. Um, the, the two places to get revenue numbers from coins will be also listed on there. Um, I would suggest you check those out if that's uh, something you're interested in. Um, and uh, hey, hey, also, what, what, the coin, coin market cap is a great spot to get the, the total market cap for all the coins and which exchanges they trade on. I think that's a good starting point to uh, narrow your search. So. In 30 seconds or less, for people who haven't started, you know, recommendation on how to get started in cryptocurrency. Um, I would start with a larger coin, start with a well-known exchange or your current brokerage firm, start with a small amount and, um, you know, chart it and monitor it. And as you get more comfortable, you can expand from that. Awesome. Last word. Thanks, Matt. So folks, how was the talk and discussion today? Please take the 30-second FTE survey that's being dropped right now. Let us know how we're doing, how we can get better. You or somebody you know, a thought leader who wants to test drive their current challenge, get some new ideas and help others connect and learn faster. Our call for experts is always open. And so is our invitation for members, partners, and underwriters to be a part of transforming and accelerating the FTE vision and community for good business. Want to learn more? Just let us know on the survey. And we're growing fast because of you. Please keep sharing FTE and find other leaders that you want to network with. And check out our on-demand library of experts and content available in podcast and video. In the coming months, FTE will help you connect and learn with experts and leaders around themes like future of technologies, future of work, energy transition, inclusion, sustainability, clean economy, national security versus natural, national prosperity, and more like that. So stay tuned. Folks, we're out of time. Thanks once again, Matt, and to all of you for making time to connect and learn on From the Experts. You guys have a great rest of your day, wherever you are. Bye.